I am going to bring flood waters to destroy the earth and everything that has breath upon it. Everything on earth will perish. But you, Noah, I have found favor with you. With you, I will establish my covenant. Welcome to the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast, with your hosts, Max and Liz. This podcast is brought to you by Playful World Ministries. Max, Liz, and all the characters and adventures of the Epic Order of the Seven were created by and written by Jenny L. Cody. On today's episode, we'll hear chapters 31, 32, and 33 from the audiobook The Ark, The Reed, and The Fire Cloud. And later on, we'll tell you how you can get your own personal copy of this amazing audiobook. How cool would that be? Plus, we'll check in with Jenny herself with this week's Jenny's Corner. And we're going to ask her a tough question this week. But right now, let's get into our story. Here's your hosts, Max and Liz. Uh, much obliged, Mr. Announcer Lad. I don't think that's his real name, Max. Hmm, interesting theory, Liz. We should ponder that sometime. But right now, we've got a story to tell. Oh, may we? For today, we are bringing three chapters of the Ark, the Reed, and the Fire Cloud. Aye, uh, they're wee chapters, but very important as we begin a whole new section of the book with animals from all over the world, uh, following the same fire cloud. How in the world is that possible? (laughs) Get it? How in the world? Ah, good one, Max. Uh, Très bien. (laughs) Uh, Suffice it to say that only the maker could find a way to call his creatures from all corners of the earth. Ah, and the round places, too. Now, Liz, I don't mean to embarrass a smart kitty like yourself, lass, uh, but the earth be round. I know, Max. Then you won't find corners on a round earth. It was just a figure of speech. Aye, a square figure, but you be needing a round figure. Okay, Max, I get your point. Well, that's just it, lass. Round things don't have points. Ah, nor does this conversation. (sighs) Anyway, for those of you who came to hear a story... Uh, We begin today's episode with a real conversation. Unlike this one, uh, an important conversation. Unlike this one, a conversation that took place a long time ago between Noah and the Maker himself. Part 3. Worldwide Animalia and Noah's Ark Chapter 31. God's Plan Noah sat in the dark, his face barely visible by the torch in front of him. The memory of his father's voice echoed in the cave. Walk with him, Noah. Always walk with him. The final words of his father faded deep into the cave and were replaced with the voice which spoke through the fire. I see how great man's wickedness on earth has become, and that every tendency, every thought of his heart, is continuously evil. I am grieved that I have made man, and my heart is filled with pain. Noah thought of the villagers. What God said was true. But Noah had never thought of God feeling pain. He knew Father Adam felt it when he and Mother Eve sinned in the garden, 
and he knew that pain was part of man's and woman's existence ever since. But God? God's heart knew pain? I will wipe mankind whom I have created from the face of the earth, for I am sorry that I made them. I am going to bring floodwaters to destroy the earth and everything that has breath upon it. Everything on earth will perish. But you, Noah, I have found favor with you. With you, I will establish my covenant. The flame from the torch flared up with intense light, illuminating the walls of the cave. Study these walls, Noah. The hand of Adam made these drawings. These are the animals I brought to him so that he might name them. Every creature, whether livestock, birds of the air, or beasts of the field, Adam did name them. Study these walls, Noah. Just as I brought these animals to Adam, so shall I bring these animals back to you. The interior of the cave now lit up completely. Hundreds of thousands of drawings covered the walls. As Noah scanned each picture, the animals seemed to come to life as they migrated across the cave walls directly toward Noah's torch. Ooh la la, can you imagine what must have been going through Noah's mind? I was probably thinking what I were, maker. How are you making them pictures to move then? Uh, we, and probably bigger things too. I would imagine that many of the animals were not familiar to him. Uh, how do you mean, lass? Well, for one, think of all the animals who live where it is uh, cold outside. Like Miss Scotland. Oh, we, oui, and even colder. Uh, but Noah lived in a very warm climate, no? Uh, aye. Well, let's move on. Where are we headed first, then? To a place that can get very cold indeed. Oh, Canada. We'll take you there right now. Well done, Max. Chapter 32. Worldwide Animalia, Canucks. Murray, you can't stay in there forever said the mosquito as it landed on the moose's large antlers. The moose's body was submerged in the shallow, dark pond. He kept his large head just above the water so he could breathe. Well, I'm not coming out till your wife stops biting me. She's deadly, eh? said Murray. I'm just glad you don't bite. How do you stand living with her, Tito? Mm, she doesn't bite me. It's just what female mosquitoes do. Sorry about that. I promised to have a word with her, but we've really got to get going. The others are waiting for us on the path behind the pond, answered Tito. Murray looked both ways to make sure the coast was clear before standing up tall. Water dripped off his 1,500-pound body as he walked out of the pond. His six-foot antlers shone in the sun as the water drained off them. His brown hide glistened and his muscles twitched, as if anticipating another bite from the large, irritating mosquito. So, the fire cloud's moving again, eh? Murray asked as he lumbered his way over to the path to join the others. Mm, yep. Rocket flew up above the tree line to inspect the path, and it looks clear, answered Tito. 
Just then, Racket descended on Murray's antlers and gave him a triple-speed peck. Hey, Murray, what you got? You're such a racket, racket, Murray said to the woodpecker with a disgruntled look as he shook the bird off his antlers. Sorry, just can't resist your antlers. They look like wood. Racket flew to a nearby tree and rapidly banged his red head as if to get the urge out of his system. Murray gave a half-grunt, half-laugh as he watched the redhead banging away at the tree. I'm glad I'm a moose, he thought to himself as he caught up with his traveling companions. Bogart the beaver was talking to Mel, a black bear who was chewing on some red berries, juice dripping from his chin. Tito flew over to talk with his wife about laying off the biting. So I hear the fire cloud is moving again, eh? said Murray as he joined Bogart and Mel. Just as Bogart opened his mouth to reply, tears filled his eyes from the horrific smell that suddenly engulfed them all. They all began holding their noses, shaking their heads, shouting, Ah! Uh, Rodney cocked at. The small skunk casually walked over to the group of animals, his eyes squinting in the sunshine, his black and white striped tail moving side to side. What? Well, don't blame me. I can't help it if I don't see what's flying toward me. I shoot first and ask questions later, said Rodney, not at all affected by the smell he had shot into the air. I didn't mean any harm, Rodney. I was just coming to tell you we're off again, said Racket, landing on the branch of berries that Mel was grazing on. I can't help it if you guys can't see past your nose. Hey, let's calm down, eh? Racket... Just give Rodney a warning call the next time you swoop down to his level, suggested Bogart with a big buck-toothed smile. Between the mosquito bites, rackets pecking, and Rodney stink, I've just about had enough of this great companionship, exclaimed Murray. Aw, oh, come on, Murray, that's not so bad. We men out here in the rugged wilderness journeying together on a mysterious adventure. So stuff legends are made of. Only this is for real, said Mel, standing on his hind legs to get eye to eye with the moose. Murray grunted in reply. Still, the bear was right. This was a spectacular journey through beautiful Canada. He wondered where they could be going and why the maker had called them. Murray wanted to find out as much as the rest of them what this was all about. Well, let's get going said Mel, as he grabbed another clump of berries, knocking Racket off his perch. We can make good time today, eh? I'm so hungry from hibernating all winter, but I'll keep traveling as long as there's something to eat on the way. That's easy for you to say. I travel better in water than on land, said Bogart, his bucky smile fading as he began wringing his hands. Now I feel like a real land garby, eh? Nah, you aren't a dorky tourist, Bogart. You're a real Canuck, after all, a genuine Canadian. I bet you could ride on Murray's antlers. What do you say, Murray? Mel asked the moose. Sure, eh? But you're the only rodent I'll carry up there. Rodney needs to stay on the ground behind me, Murray answered. Bogart walked over to Murray, who lowered his head so the beaver could climb onto his antler. Racket came over and landed on the unoccupied antler. Hey, watch it up there, Racket. No more pecking at my antlers, instructed Murray. 
No problem, Moose. Westward ho! exclaimed the loud woodpecker as he looked at the beaver next to him. Bogart shook his head at the obnoxious bird. Racket came by his name honestly, making for a noisy journey through the great white north of Canada. The sun was up and shining bright over the Canadian Rockies as the small band of animals slowly made their way by a pristine blue-green lake below. The fire cloud burned brightly in the sky, leading them onward to an unknown destination. <laughs> that were a fun bunch of animals. I think some of them have been out in the woods too long then. We, oui, they are some characters, but they too are headed for the fire cloud. I don't see how they'll make the journey. It's a long way from Canada to Noah's neighborhood. Ah, you have forgotten? Well, perhaps our final chapter of the day will jog your memory. For now, we head from one of the northernmost places in the world to one of the southernmost places. A place completely surrounded by ocean. Ah, nor that water again. Ah, wait. You must be talking about the Aussies then. Uh-huh. Ah, no, I remember, lass. Well, you should remember, Max, for you came up with a solution that was très magnifique. Chapter 33 Worldwide Animalia Aussies Crinan and Bethu were admiring the incredibly blue water of the Coral Sea when they noticed a group of animals hugging the shoreline. Here's another bunch. We'd better go have a look then, me love, Crinan said to Bethu. Oh, how wonderful, dear. More beasties to help, answered Bethu as she followed Crinan in his downward spiral to reach the shore. The Scottish seagulls sat down in the middle of the white beach where was congregated the strangest group of creatures they had ever seen. Two kangaroos, two koalas, two bearded dragons, two duck-billed platypus, two crocodiles, and on top of one of the crocs' nose, two praying mantises. As the birds landed, the bearded dragon's necks flared out in surprise, revealing spike-like scales. The koalas kept sleeping in the sun. Good morning to you. I'm Crinan, and this is me wife, Bethu. We've come all the way from Scotland on a mission to help stranded beasties. Are you following the fire cloud, then? asked Crinan, looking at the duck-billed platypuses with great curiosity. G'day, mate. How is it you came to be all the way down under? answered the crocodile. Yeah, that's a back of Burke way to fly, piped in the male-bearded dragon, his neck returning to its normal state. Crinan and Bethu looked at the dragon, not understanding what he meant. Uh, come again, lad? asked Crinan. He means you flew a long way to get here. Itchy responded. Good day now. I'm Itchy, and that's my mate, Spike. We're from the bush, uh, the outback, here in Australia, explained the female-bearded dragon. Oh, I'm sorry to hear you're Itchy, dear, answered Bethu. Now, Itchy is my name. But no worries, love. Thanks heaps for coming. How is it you know we're following the fire cloud? asked Itchy. Bethu blushed from not understanding this very different culture. She had not yet gotten used to meeting bizarre creatures with unusual names, languages, and customs. She always felt silly when she misunderstood. Still, she felt blessed to be exposed to the vast expanse 
of the Maker's creation. We've been helping creatures worldwide. The fire cloud has shown up all over the globe, and we've been helping animals find passage from land across the sea to reach it, explained Crinan. Ace, he's now Aussie, but he sure rocked up at the right time. Good eye, my name's Boomer, and this is my wife, Sheila, said the male kangaroo, sitting on his hind legs, balancing on his large tail. He was about six feet tall with a reddish coat. Sheila was a bit shorter, with a blue-gray coat. She had a sweet smile as she echoed, Good day. But how are you two small birds supposed to help these creatures? asked Sidney, the crocodile. I mean, me and Alice here can swim, but these others are stuck on land, and the fire cloud is moving northwest. Our wise friend, Maximilian Braveheart the Bruce, from Scotland, came up with a plan to help beasties who can't swim to reach the fire cloud. We locate creatures needing passage, then tell nearby dolphins, who bring whales to help transport them. It's been working everywhere. Trust us, something big is happening in the world, and you best let us help you, explained Crinan to the group of creatures gathered there. I'm totally stoked, mate. Boomer explained. I think it's a spiffy plan. I say we give it a fair go. I don't know. I think we should pray about this. We wouldn't want to come against it. Piped in the male praying mantis. His mate thoughtfully shook her triangle-shaped head in agreement. Their long green bodies were stretched out with front arms folded in what appeared to be a praying stance. Come, Augustor? Asked Bethu, confused again. Means to make a mistake. Boomer explained to Bethu. Then, turning to the uncertain mantids, he said, Oh, you say that about everything, Stuart. I believe the maker brought us this far, and now he's given us a way across the sea. You yourself said yesterday you were praying for a way off this land. Old man's right, you know. Sometimes the maker answers prayers in unusual ways, said the female platypus, Quilpy. We've all been ready to give up going any farther, and here comes a way, unusual as it seems. The praying mantids shook their heads as they realized that this, indeed, was the answer to their prayer. One of the koalas rolled over and moaned. Bethu couldn't get over how cute these bear-like creatures were. They had fuzzy light gray fur with white chests, round heads, big black noses, and large rounded ears. They looked peaceful as they slept. Well, if you're willing, then, we'll contact the dolphins and arrange transport. There's a chain of islands from here all the way up the northwest direction the fire cloud is going, so you'll be able to stop and get food along the way. And if you can wake the koalas before they board the whale, that would be best, said Crinan as he and Bethu got ready to take off. Hooroo! And thanks, apes. We'll be ready. Me and Alice can bring the mates out to the whale so they can get on board, and then we'll follow along, said Sidney the crocodile. Yeah, I reckon. Thanks, mates, chimed in Boomer the kangaroo. As Crinan and Bethu took flight, the group of animals gathered around the sleeping koalas and looked at each other. They knew they would have to wake them sooner or later. I think we should wake them up now so they can prepare to get in the water, said Quilpy the platypus. Nah, let them sleep. 
don't want them to worry about being shark biscuits too early, <laughs> laughed Sidney, his wide mouth of sixty-eight teeth showing. Besides, I say just stick them in Sheila's pouch for the journey. They won't even wake up. I've never seen creatures sleep so much. The little Australian group looked skyward at the seagulls and then to the fire cloud. How incredible that the maker had sent them a way to keep following the cloud just when they had given up. Soaring high above the deep blue sea, the seagulls searched below for bottlenosed dolphins. Hey, don't mean no disrespect, Crinan said to Bethu, but what in the world were the maker thinking when he made that duck-billed platypus? That's the strangest beastie I ever seen. I me love, tis a strange creature. The maker has such a creative imagination. He never ceases to amaze me, Bethu replied with a smile. And there you go, Max. You found a way for a great many animals to cross all the vast oceans. Aye, old Craddock did the work. He gathered up all his other whale beastie friends, and they made for a fine hauling system. Agreed, uh, but it took your creative thinking to uh, put it together, huh? Much like this uh, wonderful story. Ah, that sounds like a cue to be heading over to Jenny's corner, then. Oui, for today we heard from a wide variety of animals. And we even heard from the maker himself. Of course, his words come straight from the Bible now. And that is the question. To know how to use his sacred words while telling a different story. Uh, so, Miss Jenny? What's on your mind, boy? How much Bible word do you need to know so you can write a story around it, then? You have to know it inside and out before you write a word, meaning of that particular scene. I dare not go there as far as attempting to write if I have not studied it. Not only a dozen or so translations to get the every angle I possibly can on interpreting a Bible scene, but I read lots of Bible commentaries and what other people think and scholars think and people who have studied this and been to seminary for this, because it's very important to make sure that I do not alter the real text that's in Scripture and then that I don't lead anybody astray when I layer the fiction and the fantasy. And that's why one of the most important parts of my books is in the back, and it's the word from the author. And that's where I say, this was real, this was fiction, this is where I took liberties, this is maybe something that we don't know, and I ran with one angle. So, yeah, you have to be really careful. And I was especially nervous doing this with Jesus. Can you imagine the pressure putting words into Jesus' mouth? But I had the inside scoop because... He's right in my heart. So I just said, okay, tell me what you said next. And so far, so good. Great question. Aye, so far, so good. Uh, thanks, Miss Jenny. Well, we met some other beasties today from Australia and Canada. Uh, where are we going next there, Mr. Announcer Lad? Ah, oh, wouldn't you like to know? Aye, I wouldn't have asked if I didn't. Well, I'll give you a hint. Our next group of animals didn't have to worry about oceans. Their challenges were the changes in climate. Uh, but that's for our next episode, so you'll just have to wait. Or... Or... Or you could get your very own copy of the entire audiobook, The Ark, the Reed, and the Fire Cloud, by Jenny L. Cody, and read by yours truly, Denny Brownlee. You read the whole thing, monsieur? 
Well, that, that's what narrators do. All the voices? All the accents? Uh, yes, Liz. All the voices and all the accents. Did he just mock me? Anyway. Nah, just your strange French accent. Anyway. I don't have an accent. No, no, you don't. Anyway, go to audible.com and type into the search bar, The Ark, The Reed, and The Firecloud, and you can download your copy today. And finally, we'd love to hear from you. Send us a letter or ask us a question, and then get your letter read on one of our future podcasts. Simply email Jenny at jenny at epicorderoftheseven.com. Spell it out, J-E-N-N-Y, Jenny, at epicorderoftheseven.com. We'd love to hear from you. Well, join us next time for more animals from around the globe. We'll see you then. Once again, the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast, is produced by Playful World Ministries, and The Ark, The Reed, and The Fire Cloud was written by Jenny L. Cody. To purchase your copy of The Ark, The Reed, and The Fire Cloud on audiobook, log on to audible.com. And for all the amazing books by Jenny L. Cody, the entire collection of The Epic Order of the Seven, log on to Jenny's website, www.epicorderoftheseven.com. That's epicorderoftheseven.com. See you next time on the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast. And I'm Denny Brownlee. Thanks for joining us. Have a grande! Au revoir, mes amis. Always remember, you are loved and you are able.